Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the founder of Ardor Learning, Inc., Deepak Desai. In an increasingly globalized world, demand for robust English language teaching has quickly risen much higher than the actual supply of teachers. Deepak is no stranger to this fact. After working at Time Warner's books and education subdivisions, he noticed that the greatest amount of demand for native-level English acquisition was emerging from Asian markets. Deepak took his previous experiences and decided to found Ardor in 2014, right in the heart of San Francisco. Ardor is based on Deepak's vision of an education platform that is solution-oriented, working with larger institutions towards outcomes. By combining Oxford University course content with Silicon Valley innovation, Deepak's Edutech-based company is quickly becoming a market leader across the globe. Ardor Learning, Inc. is growing like crazy, so Deepak, let's get to it. Thank you for being here today, my friend. Sure. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we took our stab at your origin story, but in your own words, how did you get sure. into this company? Sure. Um, I just say it a simple way. This is what I was meant to do. I had uh, I've been working in this field for a while. I lived in Hong Kong for many years, and that's why I realized that uh, English was a ticket to opportunity for people. And so I started working there, and then uh, you know came to Silicon Valley and worked for a company called Global English for about ten years. I was a CEO there. It was a venture-backed company. Uh, after that, I still wanted to. I mean, you know, they had a you know they had a timeline, so they wanted to sell the company, which is fine. And investors do that. But then I said, this is what I want to do. So how do I do it myself? And so I started this myself. I I I I, I you know I was fortunate to be uh, to be working with Oxford University Press, who is the world's leading authority on English language training, and I was able to take some of their uh, their content and then build it around a global solution. And so we've been doing this for a few years now, and it's been exciting to see that. And the name Ardor is interesting. That actually there's a quote from Abigail Adams when she talks about Ardor. She talks about dedication and Ardor for learning. Uh, and language learning is very difficult. And so when I started the company, I said let's let's focus on something that's uh, that's really you know sort of really tells a story about how difficult it is to learn a new la language. So after the age of 25, to learn a new language is six times more difficult than to learn calculus. Wow. Because your, your brain is, 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 and then of course you see in the media, you see you know, other companies talking about how easy is it, it is to learn languages and it's actually not true. So I focused on the harder part because you do need a learner commitment to that. And so we really focus on, on that part and it's a different approach to it. Uh, and, and but it's it's actually resonated with customers because customers have seen e-learning everywhere. They say, oh yeah, it's easy. You can just have a, a, an app or 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 or, or a program on the PC and you can learn in a few weeks. And actually, it doesn't work like that. And so we do what we do is we in our product we we combine the 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 the, the, the you know we combine the e-learning the technology with with some gradations of human touch because we know on your own, it's very difficult to do things. Mm. So it's like going to the gym and having a personal trainer. So we do have people that help you in your journey of learning. And we work with large corporations and corporations have seen the results of that. And that's how, that's why we are growing. Wow. So what, what is the interest of the company, right? Like mm -hmm. not just going sure. to the individual, but it sounds like the, some of the companies are your clients. What is their yeah. interest in, in this? So as you know, you know, globalization is everywhere. Companies uh, which were mostly American companies years ago have become very global. They have global workforces. They have uh, large operations in China or Brazil or Mexico uh, or Japan and Europe as well, et cetera, et cetera. So they become very global. And English is the, is the common language for these guys. You know, somebody in Brazil is not going to be learning Chinese. A Chinese person is not going to learn Portuguese. They both learn English so that they can communicate with each other. Mm. And so English is, is the language of, of commerce of large businesses. And these global companies have realized, so for example, if an American company buys a European company, um, they have to figure out how to make sure the strategy works. 
And so they need to make sure the communication is easy and the skill levels in Europe, for example, for English may not be as good. And so then you, you have to have these programs. So we work with large companies, with large programs. These are complex uh, uh, situations where we have multiple learners, multiple countries. Um, yeah. and, and so we have people all over the world to support that. Uh, and so it's, it's, it sounds, you know, although we are a small, medium company, it's a very complex thing that we're trying to do. And we compete with some of the larger companies in the, in the industry, but we do that because we are focused on customer outcomes. And so we, when we sit down with a customer, we say, okay, what are the things you're looking for? And every customer is different. Sometimes they are looking to move people around. Sometimes they want to promote people. So there are people who might, who might have great technical skills, but they may not have the communication skills. And so it should not be an impediment or a barrier to their advancement in the company. And, and that's especially true in places like China or Brazil or Mexico, where they are great technical engineers, but they are not able to communicate and they're not able to move up in the, in the hierarchy of the company. And so there are companies that have these special programs for high performance individuals. And so we work with them as well. And um, I can go on and on, but this is, yeah. as you can see, I'm very passionate about this. Absolutely. And helping, helping companies with their, their issues and strategies but also never forgetting that the learner is the central figure. The learner is the one that you want to uh, impact, help them. And when we see uh, results and when we see feedback from learners that say, oh, I've, I've been doing this, now I'm able to communicate, I can do a presentation, I can write great emails, I'm gonna get the next promotion. That's really heartening to, see, to hear that. Absolutely. So when you were thinking about really stepping into starting this company, sure. was it that you looked at the landscape of uh, language learning in business and thought there's so much need that mm -hmm. another company is needed? Or was it that how they were trying to solve the problem needed innovation and you thought you guys could do it in a, in a better way? I think there's a combination of both. It's a big market. Um, there's a lot of money being being uh, spent. So it's a, the market is fairly big. It's very fragmented. There's people, the local providers. So you go to a country like Japan, they'll have local companies. Or China, they'll have local companies. There are a few global companies. Um, but so there's an opportunity. So that's one part. The other part, of course, is I feel that having been in the e-learning or educational training uh, based on technology, Often what happens is people, people come in and say they want to be, have a scalable solution. So they want to give it to everybody. And so there are solutions that are, uh, are only tech, you know, based on technology, uh, great looking app, great looking uh, uh, UI. But then, then you know, after a few months, customers get bored. Uh, they, they're not self-motivated. And so you need to make sure there is some human touch that helps them. So we have a, 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 a solution. So I, I realized that there was an opportunity to do things better. Yeah. So yes, a big opportunity in the market, but also our approach is a focus entirely on, on, on results. And the other thing I see is that learning a language is a dream. And so what happens is, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, companies will paint a picture of, oh, great, we'll put your, our solution in place and within a few months, you'll have all these people you know, singing in English or something like that. And right. it's really not the case. And so we focus entirely on um, sort of creating realistic expectations and then making sure we meet them. The biggest issue I find is that uh, you have to deliver on the promise that you give your customers. And one of the results, reason for our growth is because we don't, we don't charge people unless we think they have, we have delivered value to them. Mm. That's a, a little bit of a radical thought. So regardless of the legal agreement, if, if a company has, has said this is what they want to do, and for whatever reason, and sometimes it's not our fault because we might push you know, learners to learn, but if they are busy or they have other, other things that they're working on, they may not have the time. So then they are behind the learning and we say, okay, let's extend the term so that they can actually gain value from our service. Right? Wow. Because I don't want to make money based on just you know, a deal. And that's kind of, kind of coming back to one of the reasons why we've grown is because we are relationship driven, not, not transactions driven. Yeah. And I think that's really critical because I think people are looking for deals and deals are okay, it's fine, but often we have to figure out what are the things that are really going to deliver value, not to, the, to, the, to our companies for their strategies, 
but also for the individual learners for their in growth, uh, you know, in their in their in their uh, you know, career. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm curious. Was this your first company that you founded, or have there been more? Yes, it is my first. The uh, previous one, Global English, was a venture back company. I was a professional manager. I'd come in, and but that's when I, I really felt this was what I wanted to do. And then, of course, you know, investors have a certain time frame, as you know, and so they had to sell the company. And then after that, it was quite different. You know, they became part of a big company. So then I said, it's an opportunity for me to go in there. I had to wait a few years because I didn't want to compete. But I came back to it. Um, yeah. Was this a is is, is this company uh, investor backed or is it bootstrapped or how did you? It is. It's bootstrapped. Uh, we have a few friends and family investors, but one of the reasons I'm a little shy of inv institutional investors is because they have a time horizon that that sometimes in these things it takes time to build something of value. And I want to do that, and it's later in my life, so I think that's something that I can, I can afford to do that. Um, but it's something that, um, you know, I, I, you know, sort of artificial calendars. You have December thirty-first and the quarterly results. We are so focused on these quarterly results and quarterly outcomes that you forget that you are in this business for learner outcomes. Mm. You teach people to change their life rather than uh, doing a deal and. And showing you know something on on a, on a financial statement. Sure. And and it's and the irony of it is if you continue to do that, you'll build something so valuable that eventually all those things will come. The deals will come. The you know the growth is is comes, but it has to come naturally. You can't force it. I love that. Yeah, I wrote that down early on. Uh, what's the the investor versus the founders' goals and visions, right? Like yeah, exactly. The investors got like a. Yeah five-year plan. I need to see this much return on the investment I gave you no, in five I don't, years. I, don't, I think that there are some great investors out there, so don't get me wrong. I mean, there are some great venture capital guys who really understand it and, and, and have operated companies themselves, so they understand that as well. But, they, you know, there is, you know, so it's, you have to be selective in who you work with. So I'm not ruling out in the future we might, you know, raise money, but I think you have to find the right type of investor. That's my advice to founders as well, because, I think you can get into trouble if you, you know, often what happens with venture capital, the line between uh, greed and fear is a very thin line. Mm. And so when, when market conditions change or whatever industry conditions change, people go from greed to fear in a heartbeat. And op in, when you're running a company as an op operator, as a founder, uh, it doesn't work like that, right? Because your cycles are long, Sometimes, you know, so we've had situations where we've had a relationship with the company for a long time and they were not ready for it. But four years later, suddenly they say, oh, now we are ready now. Let's go. And so you can't predict that, right? It's a natural evolution. Companies change. Companies have a different life cycle. And so I think, you know, that's really important. And I, I hope I, I made myself. Clear. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what I'm curious about now is we look at those the early stage of, of taking this idea and actually starting to mm -hmm. see it get off the ground, get its first customer, you start to build the product yeah. and the team. What was most challenging about those early stage of getting this off the ground? Yeah, it's, it was, it was difficult. Uh, but I was, uh, uh, I was a bit fortunate that I, I ran into Oxford University Press and the Oxford name was very helpful. Uh, so I started the business as a distributor of Oxford. Oxford had started this business uh, themselves uh, and they were running it, but they were not global. They were only in a few countries. And so I said, why don't I help you distribute it around the world? And, and, um, and we did that, but then after that, you know, it became difficult, uh, you know, of, you know, for them or for us, because they, we had to make investments in technology because, you know, technology changes uh, all the time. And so, uh, you know, it, it's a large organization. It's a great organization, but it's a large organization. So it takes time to make decisions. So I said, let me just, you know, buy the IP from you. So I bought the IP from them. And then that was, but then by the time we had some customers and so, you know, we, we had some references that we can go back to and then we continue to. And the, great, the other great thing was I, I hired my team from my previous company and they were all experts in sales uh, globally. So. You know, I have a guy in, in China who I worked with before. I have a guy in Japan who I worked with before. A guy in India I worked with before. In Mexico, same thing. You know, um, in Europe as well. And so that helped as well. 
Yeah, wow. People yes. who know the business. And I was able to recruit them. And that's the other thing. You know, recruitment is something that, you know, if you have, I think, you know, relation, again, just like you have a relationship-driven uh, focus on customers, you have to have a relationship-driven focus on your employees. Uh, you have to treat them, regardless of short-term what happens, um, you have to have these long-term relationships of trust and value. And that's how I was able to attract a team that I had worked with before. Uh, so give you a story. I was, it was one executive, a sales executive I was trying to hire. And uh, she, she, was, uh, she had a couple of other job, op, uh, options, but she had worked with me before and she knew and she said, and she, and she, she said to me, uh, we were talking about it. I thought she was negotiating. And then I said, now I'm coming, I'm in. I mean, I said, why did you decide suddenly to be in? He said, because how you made me feel. Mm. In my previous job, you made me feel valued. You made me feel that I could do a lot of things. I could, you know, uh, create miracles. And, you know, he said, I, I, I like that feeling. So I want, to, I want to have that, you know, I want to have that back. And I think part of it is, again, we, we, we think about our, 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 our co-workers in a way that is much more you know, transactional. So, so I, I give you a salary, you do this work. But if you can go beyond that and say, okay, let's focus on the, what you're, do you enjoy what you're doing? Do you like working with, you know, these people, these learners that are trying to change their lives? And they, if they buy into that, they also identify with that purpose then it becomes much easier. Then, of course, if we want to be competitive, we pay them well and everything. But then it's just beyond the transaction of, of you're my employee and I'm your, you know, I'm your um, uh, boss. It's, it's about, okay, let's do this together. Wow. Yeah, I had a, um, I'm now remembering a few months ago because we had to reschedule this. I had a, a prep call with somebody from your team and uh -huh. she was telling me the same thing that she worked with you in the past and yes it was neat to hear how highly she spoke of you and she was like i'm here because of deepak right <laughs> like i followed so him kind of her. and she said kind of her. many of us followed him here uh, and that was just you could tell there was genuine trust and genuine affection even uh, for you and passion for the business uh, and that's mm -hmm. unique is that something that you've always valued? Is that something you had to learn to value no, in business? I have to. I've learned it, and of course, you 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 do get. Uh, sometimes you it doesn't work out. Sometimes you know people can disappoint you, or you know uh, that's so. It's a it's a risk you're taking in a sense, right? Because not everybody is in the same place, and sometimes people do things that are, and so they might betray you, or they might do something, which is fine. I mean, I, I you know so, but ninety percent of the time, it it's how you want to be treated, right? If you mm. treat some other people like the way you want to be treated, I think 90% of the time works out. Uh, but before we were always, I, I mean, I, I, it's an evolution. I mean, earlier I was always in a, a situation where even if I wanted to do certain things, there was a board of, board of directors who would say, no, no, you should focus on this. You should you know, push them to do this and push them to do that. And often the pushing, if it's not logical, doesn't work. Not to say that you don't challenge people. But you challenge them in a way that is it's uplifting, mm. rather than um, you know uh, focusing on things they may not have done because you're not perfect too, right? All of us are imperfect in so ways. Figuring out the strengths of the person and saying, okay, let's figure out what is it that you do that is excellent, and we put you in a place to 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 win. And I think that's something that I've learned over the years. And you know, initially in my early career as a as a manager. I was a bit uh, more abrupt, much more, um, I would say, uh, uh, you know, judgmental. Mm. And I think that has changed. And now it's just like, let's, it's almost like this, the, 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 the elephant of the six blind men, right? You, you, if you are looking at the trunk, you think the world is the trunk. If you're looking at the tail, you think the world is the tail. So what I've learned over the years is there's so many things that, there's so many blind spots that we have, right? And so you miss certain things if you just think you know everything. Yeah. And you don't. And yeah. you don't. And so, the, the, so creating that, that atmosphere where the people can be free to tell you that you're wrong. And that's not easy to do. I've, 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 it's taken me a while to get to that point. 
But that's, I think the one big piece of advice I would give to in any leader uh, or a founder is that surround yourself with people who can tell you no, who can say, no, this is not, uh, you know, this is not, uh, this doesn't work. And, and then listen to them, not just sort of do it for, you know, in, a, in a perfunctory way, but in a real way, and then sort of modify. And I've seen, you know, so many times I would have some idea, this is what the customer is looking for, but the person's nearest to the customer will tell you, no, I, th- I think your perception is wrong. Mm. These are the things that they're looking for. And so you better listen. Otherwise you, and I've, you know, I've made mistakes and I've lost deals because I didn't really, you know, let, listen to them. But yeah. now I've learned in the hard way that you have to listen to them. Uh, listen to everybody. It's not that they are always right, but you know, right. it's like different perspectives. And then we come up with a thing, okay, what does it make sense in that situation, right? Man, that reminds me of uh, advice that a, an advisor and a friend gave us and he was talking about how most the mistakes he saw most executives make is that they start off with their strategy like they have some idea yeah. that they are personally attached to yeah and yeah. then that leads to uh, pass it down to the people build systems and structures around their strategy and their mm-hmm. idea and then the outcome is the outcome they're not sure what it's going to be they have a goal yeah. but it just see what happens yeah. and he said he was the all the way other way around he would mm-hmm. decide the outcome this is what yeah. we're going for and yep. then the strategy, he didn't, yep. it was like, I don't care if it's mine, yours, it's like yeah, exactly. we can change the strategy over and over again. I just want the outcome. Right. Yep. And that yeah, sounds similar yeah. to you. Like we're here to help people learn. We are here to, to get yeah. a result. And I don't, you can challenge my idea. You know, it can be your idea, my sure. idea. We just want to get the yeah. outcome. Is that how exactly. you see it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, so last uh, last uh, fall we had a we were in a global RFP with uh, with a very large European bank, and there were twelve other companies. Uh, you know, like all of the big companies and competitors, and we were the, probably one of the smallest or medium sized uh, companies bidding for it. But we won against all of them, and these are some of them are very large companies. Some of them publicly listed, and we won against them. And the reason we won is because they loved our people. They liked the way we, we presented it. We were so earnest and serious and focused on on the right things. And uh, you know, even now they just, they just love our. I get compliments all the time. Your your team is awesome. The responsiveness is great. And it's you know. And the thing that you have to learn is you can't be everywhere, right? So if you if you treat people well and and take care of them, they will take care of the customers. Mm. Um, and you know, it's it's a. Uh, it's not like you know, uh, it, it works all the time, but most of the time it works, especially if they enjoy the the mission of what we have. Many of the people I work with have been in the industry for a while, so they really enjoy this. They have skills that are relevant to it as well. But when we recruit, we recruit for two things. One is competence, obviously in terms of the, the, what they know, whether it's sales skills, support skills, technical skills. But the other thing is character. And character is as important as competence. And often people, so when, when I say character, how committed are they to this? What are their goals in life? I mean, and you know, how do they, they trust, uh, do they, are they, uh, are they uh, is there a world? So some salespeople I, 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 I did not hire because they would go and tell the customer a lot of things and they would just make up stories. And I didn't like that. It's like, and I, this one rule I have is never lie to anybody. I mean, yes, you can say, you can say, okay, sorry, I'll get back to you, but don't just, just promise things or say, right. oh, we have this feature, we'll get this feature done for you. And people do it all the time. And I just don't, I think it's not right. And customers eventually will figure it out, right? I mean, customers are not stupid. Eventually, so because you know, let's say there's a de- there's a deadline and you're just pushing a deal, right? Eventually, that maybe they'll sign the deal, but a year later, and the results are not there, and things are not delivered as they said. So it's it's a short term, yeah, you can get a short term win, but long term, it's not going to help you. Sure. And yeah. so the so the when we hire, so interestingly now, you know, our team when we look at some there's some open positions and we look at hiring people and they'll recommend people and I will say, oh, how about this guy? He used to work with them, we used to work together with this person. They say, no, no, this person will not fit here. They'll tell me that. Wow. And and I and you know, I think that's fine. I mean, not everybody is a fit, right? Uh, so having that fit, having that trust, and I think one of the words that I use, which is which one of uh, Earlier, I might have been hesitating to use. 
my team is very sweet. It's, it's a very interesting word to use in business, but sweet meaning that they are, they are just, you know, trusting, you know, helping. If it's, even if it's the, not their job, they'll just say, oh, I'll do it. And I don't have to tell them that. It's just like that. And then it's contagious. So there are some people who do that and some people, oh, yeah. We've had people that have hired, I have a little bit of, I'm not sure how they're going to work out, but then they come in and then they, they become like, it's contagious. they become like very nice and everything. And, wow. they say, and so instead of, instead of caring about their own commission or their own bonuses, they say, make sure that this person get paid. And I think that's a fantastic if you can get there. And yeah, it's small, so I don't know whether we'll be able to translate that as we grow, but I hope yeah. we can keep at least the spirit of it. Yeah. Oh, man. What it sounds like is however the however you you've created this culture and this connection there is a, must be enough safety and I, I don't know if that's the best word but it sounds like people's self-preservation is low right if they're looking at somebody else and one being kind mm-hmm. secondly looking towards their interests like oh make sure they get paid that means they're not overly concerned about themselves right because they know they'll be taken care of Exactly. That's what I mean by safety. I'm like, there must be something like that where they're like, oh yeah, I trust the people here. I think I'm good. Like, so of course I can look out for you. Is is that, is that true? Yes. Yeah. So during the, so last year with with the COVID pandemic, you know, uh, things got a little uncertain in the few months uh, in the early part of it, because companies didn't know what was going on. So companies will become, so my first thing, my first care of is what making sure my people were taken care of, right. Making sure I have enough resources to pay them, Regardless of when the customers pay us, I want to make sure that that's my number one. And they know that I care about, that's my number one objective is to take care of them. And, and of course, take care of, and collectively we take care of our customers. And so if they know that. And so therefore they, they are also giving in that sense, right? So it's a two-way street in, in some ways. Uh, if you just expect things from a people and you, you don't give anything in return, you know, it's not going to work. It's like, a, you know, so it's, it's, it has to be two-way that way. Sure. Um, and I, I'm, I'm there, you know, anytime if they have issues, I always tell them, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to help you succeed. So there's a slight difference in the way you think about it. But if they succeed, we will succeed. Right. There's no, right? It's no question yeah. about it. And the strategy, I mean, I think the strategy, so there are disagreements we have about certain things. Uh, but then we always come back to saying, okay, so how does it deliver value to our customer? a learner, customer. And so, you know, and then they, it's a, becomes, then they decide. And I may be wrong sometimes. I may be say, oh, no way, this is fine. But they'll come back and say, no, but what about this? And always the litmus test is, is it right by the learner? Is it right by the customer? Mm, I like that. That's a great filter. So, because we can so easily start to, to kind of miss the forest for the trees where we get so fixated on an idea or a problem that we've we've missed the bigger question. Like you said, is this, is this adding value to the learner? Is this adding value to the customer? That can be a quick way to filter through decisions, right? Yes. Yes. Well, one question I want to ask now is let's let's back up a second and take a, a broad mm-hmm. look at sure. this journey. Mm-hmm. Have there been any mistakes made in particular mm-hmm. that you would say, man, that one was costly? And mm-hmm. if somebody else could avoid that by listening to this. I'd love to pass that wisdom along. Yeah, so uh, I uh, so when we started the, about three four years ago, we were we just started the business and uh, we we got a big win, uh, thanks to one of our excellent uh, sales executives. We got a big win with a large company, and it just went to my head. I just said, "Oh, I'm going to now conquer the world. I'm going to do this, this." And so I made some decisions about after that. You know, I made some investments and things like that, and. And now look, I mean, then two years later, they had, they got, got merged with some other company and we lost the account. Mm. And, and, and then the mistake, I, so the mistake was just hubris. I mean, it's like, you, you, yes, you have to be paranoid all the time. You have to be, and Andy Gross says, it's like, you know, only the paranoid survive. And so we just have to be careful about getting ahead of ourselves. And, and me particularly, I mean, that, that was not nobody else's fault, it was my fault. But again, now saying, okay, so we, get, we got some great wins recently, but I'm saying, okay, 
it's fine. Let's just move forward. Let's go. Yeah. You can give the credit where it's due and build it because it's not going to be a journey of like a few years. I want to build this for, for a long term. And I want to be, you know, uh, the preeminent language provider in the world. And recently we've sort of started working other languages, not just English. And so we've, we've added a lot of capability. So we have English, of course, but we also have a, 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 some, some partners with whom, with whom we give we also provide other languages, uh, uh, Portuguese, uh, Spanish, French, German, and others as well. Um, and, and we also have our, our platform now is able to do, as I said, gradations of human touch. So we do have the e-learning with, with, with the learning uh, specialist, we call him a dynamizer, who's like your gym trainer who helps you through the journey. And then we also do one, uh, web classes, one-on-one uh, -on -one classes. Uh, either one-on-one -on -one classes or group classes in a video in a video setting. Uh, and so that's another, so for companies, what companies will do, they'll say, okay, for the vast majority of people, just giving them the e-learning or self-based learning is fine. But for some executives or high performers or people who are ready for a promotion, we'll give them intensive uh, language lessons. And this will be done uh, via web-based web uh, with the teacher. And so gotcha. we have teachers around as well. So we, we now we have a robust solution, and so uh, the, the learning from that is, is is step by step, making sure we just uh, be be careful. So I always tell people we can we can always. So one of the other things I would say to uh, other founders is you can always you can never predict your revenue, but you can always predict your costs. You can always mm -hmm. control your costs, and so. You know, I, I think that just be a little careful about making investments. And that's another lesson I learned as well. And that you can, and then you have all these forecasts. And so, but things change, you know, all the time. So when things change and, and let's say something slips, uh, something was supposed to happen in June and is now happening in October or December, I say to our people, okay, fine. That's fine, because I didn't make investments in, in anticipation of it anyways. So I'm saying fine. Because again, we have to focus on building that reputation over time. And if once you do that, companies will come to you. We're already seeing now companies are seeking us out. Uh, and that's always best, better than us pushing, you know, uh, the absolutely. cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it takes time to build that reputation. I'm curious if you see these as things that are held in tension or if they're things that are contradictory, but it seems like as a founder, as an entrepreneur, as somebody growing and scaling a company, there has to be some level of optimism, of yes. vision for the future, of, of risk tolerance, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yet at the same time, you see that you're saying there's a healthy amount of paranoia, a healthy amount mm -hmm. of conservatism, mm -hmm. right? How do you see yeah. those two playing together so it's, it's it's a balance i always used to say you keep your head in the in the clouds but your feet firmly planted on the ground i think that you can have both i mean you're right they're contradictory ideas in a way and sometimes i'm i am uh, you know uh, i make the mistake of going becoming too conservative uh, you know and sometimes you have to uh, you know push and so like a few years ago we had to make a decision to buy the ip from oxford and I wasn't sure, but um, you know, uh, my, my actually my wife actually said no. I think we should go for it, and so we did. And it was the best decision we made. So, you know, I think that you know you have to have friends or family that actually you know you know temper you in that yeah. sense. So, but at the same time, I've seen people raise a bunch of money and then waste a bunch of money as well. So it's kind of a I think it's a balance, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It feels like it can't be one or the other. You can't just be no. gun ho just you no. know, taking every risk, but also you could be too slow, exactly. right? Exactly. We, could, right. we could be too stubborn to take a risk and Agreed. miss an opportunity. Agreed. Yeah, and, 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 and I think I would say that's my blind spot as okay. well. So I know I know, I know that as well. So, so you, tend, have... you would tend to be more naturally on the cautious, take yes. our time side. Right. But at the same time, I surround myself with friends and family that are pushing me. Um, so I think that, so another piece of advice is have people in the company that push you, you know, from your comfort zone Yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you see people make the mistake of hiring 
basically themselves over and over again. People yes. that are yeah, yeah, that yeah. think just like them, that no. that operate just like them. It's like you're missing out on, exactly. <laughs> on on people not like you, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh Absolutely. man. So you know what I'm what I'm wondering now is one, what is the current size of the company in terms of team members, and then. Mm -hmm. What does the next stage of growth look like? What do you, where you guys kind of have your eyes forward saying this is where we're, how growth is going to look next? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are about, uh, without, you know, without counting the teachers who are basically contractors, we are about 70 people and with the teachers over 100. And uh, the growth is going to obviously continue to come from the corporate side and the B2B side. Okay. Uh, we in, in in addition to the English language, we've added the other languages now, so that's giving us some growth as well. Um, and then also, um, um, we are working with with governments as well uh, in some some uh, sec, uh, some countries, uh, and uh, also working with educational institutions in some countries. And so that's so it's still institutions, so corporations, governments, and that. And then we are experimenting with with kind of um, consumer consumer ideas, mm. uh, and the it would be very similar to what we do on the corporate side. It will be employees of of these large companies that are trying to improve themselves. So they are unlike say a Duolingo or a Rosetta Stone. These are not people who are going on vacation and trying to learn Spanish or Italian. These are people who are trying to get a better jobs and things like that. So it's so young professionals. And so, and so those learners are very similar to learners that we already have within our, our corporations. And so we know the characteristics of those people. So we're doing some interesting hybrids. So with some companies we're doing um, sort of micro sites where you individuals will actually pay using their credit card, but it's like a special site for employees of the company. Okay. And so we're learning a lot from that. And so we're saying, okay, and we're seeing growth there as well. And so, because some companies will say, okay, we don't want to invest in it, but employees might want to do it themselves. And so we enable them, give them a special price. We enable them to do that. And so that's our first foray into kind of B2, B2B to C kind of thing. Yeah. It's a little bit, bit of hybrid, but if we find good data there, then we can say, okay, let's see, maybe look at Latin America or India or some other market where we can do some uh, B2C uh, as well but in a very different way uh, than what traditionally has been done. So that can be a growth as well. Yeah. Okay. So what's the most challenging part about leading a company of that size? I mean, 70 people yeah. is a lot of people, right? Like yeah, yeah. The, when you got 10 to 20 people, you know, everybody by name, you're, yeah. you're all virtually in the same space. 70 people is a large organization. The culture has gotten really, really big. Maybe there's new layers of leadership for the first time. What's that like? Yeah. So, uh, fortunately, on the, on the technical side, you know, I have a great partner who is takes care of all the technical uh, stuff, uh, engineering and technical and uh, technology, and he's got his own team. And so that that one, you know, I I, I trust him to deal with that. Uh, on the sales side, it's still um, decentralized and flat, um, and because I am kind of the sales lead leader. Gotcha. Uh, and on the on the on the delivery side, we have some good people as well who are helping as well on the on the. Because once you sign a deal, you have to deliver on the results, and so we have some great leaders. And and interestingly, the leaders are emerging, right? So it's not something I decided to bring somebody from the outside. So I think there are people that are showing great leadership abilities, and so I'm just going to keep you know promoting them. Yeah. Yeah. What does the leadership structure look like right now? Right now it's very flat. I would okay. say if flat. I'm still very much hands-on, but at some stage it's going to change. Uh, and I, so I'm, I'm on this uh, all the time. I have a lot of calls, a lot of people reporting to me, uh, but at some point that has to change. I have to let go. And that's another thing. That's another challenge, right? I mean, I have to figure that out because um, but here's the way I think about it. In the initial stages, you are actually nailing it. Right? You're nailing the delivery, you're nailing the learner outcomes, learning and solution sets, what are you selling? You nail that strategy and then you have to scale it, right? But what happens people, people try to scale it without their nailing it. And so in the nailing part, your involvement as a founder is very critical because 
So give you one example. Let's say you are trying to figure out the business model, right? So in the business model, you have to look at your all your costs and all your elements. So we do these, okay, so these are solution sets. So we say this solution has got uh, e-learning plus you know, somebody who helps the learners, uh, learning specialists, or you have some one-on-one -on -one classes, go uh, group classes. You know, the characteristics of profitability is different in each of these solution sets. But of course, the scale is different as well. The volumes might be different as well. But what you have to figure out is, okay, what are the solution sets? And not just from a financial, you know, margin perspective, but also from a delivery perspective. How difficult is it going to be to hire 100 teachers, for example? And with the same quality control and the quality and all that stuff, right? So nailing all of those things, all of those solution sets, the financial model, all that stuff, I think it'll still take me a couple more years. Yeah. Once you do that, I know it's like, okay, these are the things that we've set, you know, set, you know, uh, then we can say, okay, let's go, let's scale it. And then let's hire, let's hire more people, let's do that. But I think a mistake sometimes people make is because they're in a hurry. And sometimes it's just because of investors are pushing them they go for the revenue without understanding how do you deliver on that revenue. You can get great deals done, but then you have to consistently deliver. This has to be sustainable. Uh, it has to be repeatable. Renewals are very important. If you don't have renewals, so the biggest worry I have is always, are we delivering on the promise that we made to our customers? Yeah. And so they, so we have KPIs where we set, we, uh, you know, we, we work with our customers and say, okay, what are the results you're looking for? You're looking for these things, these things. And every few months we have to do reviews to see, you know, uh, in fact, internally we do it more than every few months. We do it uh, every month to see that they are on track. If they're not tracked, that's my biggest worry. Because you know that if they're not on track, a year from now, the renewal is in, is in jeopardy, right? Mm. Man, this so is looking my, forward that. Yeah, this is so good. It reminds me so much of well, first off, I wrote down nail then scale. That's gonna be that's gonna be <laughs> memorable for me. Uh that you nail he said you nail the model first and then you scale it, uh, versus scaling and then trying to nail it along the way, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but what's interesting is there's a book called The Startup J Curve. And mm -hmm. they talk about the six different stages that a business needs to go through. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting because they said, first stage is you create the product, the initial idea, yeah. the initial yeah. thing, then you mm -hmm. release it. And then after you release it, you go through a morphing stage. And that morphing stage is where you're just trying to learn as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't that work? Like we thought it would work yeah. and the, Oh, right. they actually want this, not this. Right. And it's after the morphing stage that you actually get into a model that yeah. you even know for the first time what your real business model is, that you actually know what the product is and you know how to yeah. grow it. And then after that is the scale stage, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. sounds like Absolutely. what you're talking about is you guys are still yeah. in that kind of morph and model yeah. Yeah. before we get to scale. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's helped us a lot because we felt like we should already know how to scale. We should already you know, nail the business model and be able to project five years out. And it's like, you can't yet. You're still getting mm -hmm. valuable customer feedback. You're still, you know, right. what products and services work, how, in what way, and those kinds of things. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So, so for you guys, is the majority of your team uh, sales? Is is the kind of business and where you're at right now? Is that the sales team is the largest component, and then you have the people out in the field delivering? Or no, so we have four kind of groups of people. We have the sales team, which is the people who actually do the deals. We have the sales support, or uh, basically who manage the projects after they're they're, they're sold, uh, and they work closely with the sales team, obviously. But then we also have the delivery team, which is the our, our human teachers, dynamizers, our learning specialists, that team. And then we have the technology team. I would say that they are kind of, you know, kind of equal in, in kind of scale. Um, and, you know, again, the sales, uh, the, the sales delivery team, the sales support team is as important as the sales team because they are the ones who deliver on uh, making sure they deliver, they make, work with the, 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 the teachers and, you know, and this human element as well. And they, they deliver them on the metrics. And so all of those elements are important. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's, it's, it's very complex for us because it's, it's a global business. We have people all over the world. Yeah. I mean, how do you guys even navigate 
<laughs> the different time zones and yeah. finding a time to to meet yes. or have to meet. yeah 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 so 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 what i do is uh, japan is always a difficult time zone for the us especially california so i wake up in the morning at 5 a.m so we have a call with the guy and it's not like past midnight for him in, in japan so, so what time is it in, what time would it be for him if it's 5 a.m for you 11, i think it's 11 or 10 or 11 or something it depends on the time zones but i think it's like late but wow. he's okay with that but then china as well we have people in taiwan and china so what we try to do is we do it every two weeks we have these global calls and uh i think it's super helpful to have everybody on the on the, on the call yeah but you know, it's it's hard. Somebody either either California has to wake up early, or or, or China or Japan has to has to uh, you know uh, uh, stay up late. But but you know, I think it's okay. I think people realize that. But you know, I think that the amazing thing about this team is that although we are different nationalities, different ethnicities, uh, it's just we are focused. We are a team. We are family. Which is incredible to have to think about it. And that's that's where I have this great optimism about people, regardless of who they are, mm-hmm. where they are. They have the same dreams. They love the children, and they want to do great good by people. They want to be good. And so, just you know, Abraham Lincoln once said, "A job of the leader is to appeal to the better angels of our nature." Wow. And, and we have to appeal to the better angels. And there'll be some people who be scoundrels, which is fine. Maybe five percent, ten percent people—that's fine. Ignore those. But the ninety percent of people want to do the right thing. Yeah. They want to do. We feel proud, and I always used to tell people: Go home when you, when you meet your son or daughter. Will you be proud to tell them what you did today? That's your—that's your litmus test. Yeah. And 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 but regardless of ethnicity, nationality, age, gender, they, these are universal things. We are divided by. Our, our 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 skin color or our religion or our, our, our food habits or whatever, but underneath that we're the same. Let's go. And and it's a small company, but still we are we are. It's, it's amazing to see all these people everywhere um, um, uh, resonate to the same things. Yeah, yeah. Well said, man. Uh, what a great message for us to transition uh, into our lightning round. That okay. I, I can tell that. Uh, the whole time I've been wondering like, man, what really drives him for this language, you know, for, for the business he's in. And that just came out right there. This love for humans, this, this belief in our potential, this belief in our goodness and that your company you're building is, is helping that it's, it's, it's giving people the opportunity to, to improve their careers and to expand their horizons and your team that you're building around you is the same thing right you're investing in them you're you're believing in them uh so man so cool to see that yeah. and, and, and english for, for whatever reason is the connecting language yeah so historical reasons whatever reasons it's the it's the glue that connects people mm. and uh, it's common you know as i said a brazilian speaks in english with a person from china wow and uh, we have that common kind of way of communicating yeah and we can help that we can bring people together yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You, I, I always think about the old, the old parable from from the Old Testament, or the the idea of the Tower of Babel, right? Yeah, Where yeah, exactly. When people were able to speak the same language, they were able to build buildings exactly. in the skies. But then, if we confuse the language, it scatters and divides people, right? Exactly, exactly. So exactly. cool. All right. So, question number one from our lightning round questions: If you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would it be? We deliver value every single day. Deliver value to our learners, to our customers, all the Love time. Love it. Love it. All right. Question number two: What is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And also, what was the worst? The best was focus on customers. The worst was focus on deals. Hmm. What was that? More from the the old, the yeah. old job, the old philosophy. Get the deal done. Gets the deal done, and that's yeah. the worst advice. Focus on the customer. Deal may not happen for whatever reason, but it'll happen eventually when there is a need, real need. Oh, I love that. You've got me writing down a lot of stuff here, Deepak. <laughs> Focus on customers, not the deals. Okay, question number three. What causes you the most stress or worry currently leading your organization? Uh, inability to deliver to our customers. If we are behind in, in, in our ob- objectives for the customers, that's the biggest worry I have. 
is are we doing everything we can to make make it make deliver on what we promised them and that's yeah. my biggest that keeps me up at night always love it all right question number 4 you've you've touched on this a little bit but what is your bhag your big hairy audacious goal for this company you're building yeah i mean a big big goal is to be the biggest and best learning company in the world uh language learning company in the world you know we you know language learning is not easy it's hard and if we can figure out how to do it better than anybody else i think that's a big goal and you know we want to be we want to be everywhere we want to be the biggest and the best love it all right final question if you could hop into a delorean go back to your mm-hmm. past and you get to tell yourself just one thing out the driver's side window as you drive by when would you go back and what would you tell that younger version of yourself i'd probably go back 20 years or 15 years and tell myself be assertive be mm-hmm. who you are be assertive and that's one of the things that you know i have not i don't do often enough because i always am thinking hey what if i'm wrong but forget it you be yourself be assertive and um courage is in short supply the courage to be assertive is something that i've learned later in life but just you know just do what you think is the right thing to do without worrying about the consequences and whether people like it or not i mean because your your message is is clear it's well thought out and you you can't be so in, i don't know if you believe in god or not but there is maybe god created a particular role for you and you have to be true to that role you try to play somebody else's role it doesn't work yeah you have to be assertive in in doing what you think this is what i was meant to do this is what i'm doing and have no and whether people like it or not whether they appreciate it or not they think uh, you know i'm naive or i'm stupid it doesn't matter it's who you are right just be who you are so good man be assertive courage is in short supply <laughs> oh what a great message deepak thank you for being here today thank you for taking time to share your story and your wisdom with us it's been truly an honor sure great you know great being here um, and thank you very much for for the opportunity yes sir founders thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed it make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results